0: Our Gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. We've been making our way through the Gospel of Mark this year. We started back in January, and and here we are, coming to the end of the fifth chapter. But I wanted to thread the last couple of chapters together just to give you some context of where we are. Mark, chapter 4, begins with Jesus teaching the people from a boat a little way off from shore and he's teaching them the parables that we heard throughout the month of of July. The parable of the sower and the seed, the parable of the lamp on its stand, the, the growing seed, the mustard seed. He teaches those all to the people from the boat and then that evening when it grew dark, Jesus and his disciples set off across the lake to the other side. As they were going across the lake, a storm arose, the one that we heard about from Pastor Borman two weeks ago, and Jesus calmed that storm, and they made it safely to the other side of the lake. That's where they were met by the demon-possessed man whom we learned about in June, the one who was possessed by those thousands of demons who Jesus cast out into the herd of pigs nearby. And you'll recall that after Jesus restored that man, the people from the region came to him and begged him to go away. So he set off back across the boat with his disciples. Back off across the sea on the boat with his disciples. And that brings us to our lesson this morning from Mark chapter five, beginning with verse 21. I'll ask you to please stand as we listen to the words and works of our Savior Jesus. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up immediately. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace. Mercy and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave life to the dead and called into being things that were not. Amen. We've spoken here before about how our society does not like waiting. It's impressed upon me more now as I'm raising a toddler how opposed we are to the words wait for it or not yet. And it isn't just the little ones who struggle with that. We struggle with waiting and being patient throughout our lives into adulthood when the lines are long or when traffic is slow. We find ourselves frustrated or perhaps even angry, certainly not at our best. And I think that's to be expected. Because patience is really not, as they often call it, a virtue. At least not some virtue that comes from in and of ourselves. The scriptures teach us that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is, it's something that grows within us as God grows that relationship with himself in us, that relationship that's born through faith, faith that comes from his word. And so patience is something that God teaches us. Patience is something that he trains us in as he grows us up in our faith. And today in the Bible lesson that we just read, we saw a couple of people who were receiving some training in in patience. I think that a lesson that we can learn from them, one that would be good to carry with us from this scripture reading today, is that the closer we are to Jesus, the more time and space we make for him in our lives, the more patience we will have to endure the things that life puts in front of us. And I thought after I did this, after I had sent it to Pastor Borman and we had it in the slide, that maybe you could take Life And if you're filling this out on on your sermon take-home sheet, maybe you could put Jesus in that blank too. Because it isn't life, really, that's bringing whatever it is in front of us. It's our God who brings it to us. And that's a part of his training to train us up to be patient and to wait on him. And everything that we need to do that comes from him. That's what we see as we look at the account of these two characters in our gospel lesson today. The first... Is Jairus. Jairus comes to Jesus and he's dealing with something that I think any of us in a similar situation would find ourselves with very little patience. His daughter is dying. She is sick, and sick to the point that she is beyond the help of any human physicians, sick to the point that her death is imminent. And so Jairus is broken. He, he is struggling, but he is not yet at the point of complete despair. He is not yet completely hopeless because there is someone who has come to his town, who's come back to Capernaum, someone of whom he had heard. This man named Jesus. And the reports that Jairus had heard of Jesus were nothing short of miraculous. And so he goes to Jesus, his last and final hope, and throws himself at the feet of Jesus and begs him to come place his hand on his daughter and heal her. And Jairus believes not only that Jesus can do it, but that Jesus will do it. And so we're told... Jesus went with him. And now you might think, well, that's not a whole lot of training in patience. He comes to Jesus, and the moment he asks Jesus to help, Jesus comes along with him, and there he is going back home with Jesus at his side. But it didn't go perfectly smoothly from there. Because as Jesus went, this massive crowd of people is thronging around them and slowing them down. They're not going as fast as they could without the crowd. And and when things aren't going as fast as they could be, that's when we really start to struggle with patience. And it was going to get worse for Jairus before it got better. Because there was a woman there in the crowd that day. A woman who had also been receiving some training in patience. I don't know if she had quite learned patience yet, but she had certainly been practicing. For 12 years, we're told. She had been struggling with this affliction, this condition that left her bleeding. For 12 years, she had gone to doctor after doctor after doctor. She had spent her last penny, and where had it brought her? She was worse off now than she was when it all started. And so she, like Jairus, was broken. She was despairing. She was distraught. But she was not completely without hope. Because she, too, had heard about Jesus. And the reports that she had heard of Jesus were such that she believed that he had the power to make her well. So great was his power, she was sure, that if she could but touch the back of his garments, she would be healed. And so that's what she did. And everything went according to plan. She found the crowd, she found Jesus within it, made her way through to him, reached out and was able to touch just the back corner of his cloak. And the moment she touched him, she could feel it in her body. She was well again. But then something happened that she hadn't been counting on. Jesus stopped. He stopped and he asked, who touched my clothes? And Jesus' disciples started trying to to reason with him. Jesus, how can you ask us who touched your clothes? Look around, there's a massive crowd of people. There are people bumping into you left and right and all over the place. How can you ask us who touched you? take a little sidebar maybe to to think about where the disciples are coming from. They're coming along with Jesus, and while they're maybe not as emotionally invested as Jairus is, it isn't their daughter's life who's on the line, they certainly are eagerly anticipating seeing whatever it is that Jesus is about to do. (laughs) And they're probably feeling a little anxious, a little stressed about the crowd and the slow going, and, and maybe they feel responsible for Jesus, they want to keep this mob of people away from their master, from, from doing whatever it is that he's about to do. And he asks this question, and to them, it just seems completely unreasonable. It's crazy. It's stupid, maybe, in their minds. So they challenge him back with their question. And you might think to yourself, well, I would never think in my head or say out loud, Jesus, are you stupid? Jesus, are you crazy? But when we're feeling impatient, when things are not in our control, when things are not going as well as we think they ought to be going, isn't that exactly what we're tempted to think or to say? When you wish that things were not going the way that they are, aren't we implicitly showing a lack of trust in our God? and in his control over the situation? The disciples may have thought that Jesus was out of his mind, but the woman knew better. She knew it was not a stupid question when he asked who touched my clothes because she knew exactly who it was that he was looking for. But she wasn't exactly excited about walking into the spotlight and letting everyone know it was her. She was afraid. She was terrified at what he might say, at what he might do. She had no idea. But he kept looking. So eventually she came forward and she threw herself at his feet. And she pours out her soul. She tells her story. She tells everything that had happened. She, she gives the reasoning what it was she thought if she could simply come and touch him. And, and there she sits quivering and trembling. And he looks at her and he says, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go in peace. I don't know what she was expecting that he was going to say. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't those three words. But do you see what's happening here? Do you see the awesome miracle that's taking place? There's, there's multiple miracles in this Bible story. And if we look at it quickly, we might just see two. But here we have a couple of miracles. We have, on the one hand, Jesus bringing healing to a woman who was bleeding. But perhaps the even greater miracle still is Jesus bringing peace to a woman who was a trembling sinner. If he had simply done the first, if he had simply healed her from her affliction, but hadn't done the second, what good would that have been for her? So I think perhaps the greater miracle here is the peace he's able to bring to her heart, the identity he gives her as a daughter of God who can be at peace in her relationship with him because that is the gift he brings her through faith. Meanwhile, Jairus is standing by, still receiving his patient's training. How do you think he's doing? Where is his faith at? How is he feeling feeling? emotionally. Look at the roller coaster he's been on that day. He starts off the day very low. His daughter is at death's door. He comes to Jesus. He has a hope. Jesus agrees and comes along with him and his hopes start to climb. But then the crowd presses in and they're not going as fast as they want. And then Jesus stops. But it turns out he stopped because this woman had touched him and she had been healed simply by touching his cloak. This woman expresses that she'd been dealing with this sickness for 12 years, which is precisely how long Jairus's daughter has been alive. So if there's anyone that can help his daughter, it's got to be Jesus. And then his servants come. And he sees their faces, and he hears their message. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And before he can say anything to Jesus, Jesus looks him in the eyes and says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Wow. Wow. What? How? Jesus sends the rest of them away. He brings three of his disciples and Jairus, and they continue on along to Jairus' home. When they get there, the, the mourners had beat them to it. They're already there. They're, they're crying out. They're wailing. They're, they're playing the traditional flutes. And Jesus sends them all away. He says, what is this noise you're making? She is not dead. She's only sleeping. How? He takes the mother and father and his three disciples into the room where the little girl's body is laying. And he walks up to it. And he takes her by the hand. And he bids her to get up. And more easily than any of you could come up and wake up one of your loved ones who is sleeping. Our Savior Jesus called that little girl's soul back into her body. And she stood up and started to walk around. Do you see what's happening here? Once again, we've got two miracles. On the one hand, you have Jesus raising Jairus' daughter. But there's something even more incredible going on here. From the very first moment he came to Jesus and asked for his help, Through the miracle Jesus allowed him to witness with the healing of that woman, with the encouragement Jesus gave him at the news that his daughter was dead, to now being able to witness this incredible miracle of life, Jesus strengthened Jairus' faith. Because at the end of the day, if all that Jesus had done for Jairus was bring his daughter back to life, What good would that have been for him? As life went on, that girl one day died again. Jairus also would come to a day when his life here on this earth was ended. So Jesus did for him what he knew was most important. He gave him something to hold on to. A hope that would last even through death. He came to Jairus and strengthened his faith. These characters in our gospel today, they had to wait. And while they were waiting, their faith was being tested and their fears were exposed. That's really what impatience is, isn't it? It's fear. It's fear that things are not going our way. It's fear that things aren't going to get better. We're afraid that we're going to be late. We're afraid that things won't work out for us the way we'd like them to or won't work out for a loved one the way we'd like them to. And and so when we're afraid, we're impatient. We grow angry and frustrated. And so God's giving us a challenge today through this gospel lesson, through our other lessons, a challenge to be patient and to wait on the Lord when all other hopes and every other earthly prop give way. Can you cling still to Jesus as your only hope and stay? When, when you don't receive the answer that you're looking for to your prayers, for however long it may be, maybe 12 long years, maybe more, maybe less. Can you continue to be patient and wait on the Lord? When you're struggling with some affliction, whatever it may be, and the doctors or whomever you're going to for help cannot do anything to make it better. Can you wait on the Lord? Can you be patient and wait for Jesus to come in his own time, in his own way? Can you wait like Jairus when your loved one is dying? Can you be patient and hope in the Lord? Even when the doctor comes to you and tells you they're sorry, they did everything that they could, but it wasn't enough. Can you wait by the grave of the person you loved as you keep your hope in Jesus? And as you patiently wait on him and listen to his assurance that they are not dead, but merely sleeping, when worldly hope fails, when sin stares back at you from the mirror, when you are alone, when death draws near, will you wait on the Lord or will you give way to fear? Friends, don't be afraid, but just believe. Believe that like little Caleb, believe that like Jairus' daughter, you have already been raised to new life through Jesus Christ, your Savior. That life is his gift to you through your baptism. Believe in the words that he speaks to you from the altar. This is my body and my blood which is given for you for forgiveness. Believe in the promise that he gave you along with your mission. Surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. Believe in the promise that he gives about that new age. No more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Do not fear. Just believe. Believe that the one who has conquered sin and death for you will bring you peace to your trembling soul. Believe that the one who has begun a good thing in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ as he strengthens your faith by his word. I'll close with some verses we heard earlier from Lamentations chapter 3. The Lord is good to those who wait in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.